Welcome to TC Live as we continue the road to Roland Garros on European red clay. The men treated to million-dollar views in Monaco this week as the world's best take their rackets to the French Riviera. A lot to get to on our 30-minute post-game show. All the best highlights. You don't want to miss what the player said to Prakash. Plus, big news on Dominic Team's comeback and why this weekend's Billie Jean King Cup tie is bigger than tennis. Welcome into our studios in Santa Monica, California. Steve Weissman back alongside Grand Slam champion, coach to the stars, Paul Anacone. And over in the big screen, we've got the Hall of Famer, Andy Roddick. A lot to get to today. Let's start with Sasha Zverev. Came back from 2-4 down in that second set, was able to get the win. And Andy, he's got a chance with a title here in Monte Carlo to maybe get to number two and get closer to number one in the world. Yeah, and, and the thing is, it's a pretty straightforward scoreline against a guy who is, uh, you know, pretty well-versed on, on, the, on the clay, and he didn't really even play that well. He kind of found his range on his forehand. He missed as many rally backhands as I've seen for a long time, but, you know, we, I don't think we talk of, uh, enough about uh, how good Zverev is on the clay. He's won multiple Masters Series events, obviously uh, lost to Tsitsipas in the semis of Roland Garros. Guy can flat out play on clay, and I don't know that we give it enough credit because he's super tall. You would think that his power would translate better to upper, other surfaces, but clay's a great surface for him. Zverev did a really nice job. Got off to a great start. Second set got down a break, thought he might take a turn to negative town, did not, hung in there, found a way to get through that second set. And as Andy said, Del Bonus, very difficult, awkward to play against. So uh, good job from Zverev. Never want to go to negative town. Don't Paul. take a turn to negative town. And never panic. Never panic. <laughs> All right, the hottest guy on the ATP Tour kicking off his clay court season. That's Carlos Alcaraz coming in off his title in Miami, the youngest winner in tournament history. The 18-year-old at a career-high 11 in the world has a chance to crack the top 10 this week, making his Monte Carlo debut against 21-year-old American Seb Corda. It's a rematch of last year's next-gen final that Alcaraz won. This was a battle, Andy. Yeah, and you, you see Seb Corda able to switch directions, slide comfortably. You don't often see Americans, especially young Americans, move that well uh, on the clay. And the good thing about Seb Corda is, look at I got a little feel myself. I just Alcaraz to Alcaraz. But uh, he, he's able to hit a thick ball, right? So even on the clay when it's a little slower, he's able to hit the ball through the court. But if we learn anything about Carlos Alcaraz, is he is up to compete, and he will hit that drop shot in tiebreakers. You have to respect it because he can pump that forehand and get the RPMs on it as well. But this guy always fights and just matches the forehand here. Uh, called out first, quick overall. Alcaraz in this match. And I wanted to see what Sebi Corder would do. He's lost some tough three setters. Obviously, remember the one against Rafa at Indian Wells when he was up in the third. But he stayed right in there. I love that open stance movement, able to play D on the backhand and obviously going for broke there. You see how comfortable he is, how pumped up he is, which was a big, big deal. I love to see Sebastian Corda show a little bit more emotion. And he, this match meant a lot to him. He knows what Alcaraz is. He knows what Alcaraz would be. And look at that last little serve ball. And they had a little bit of tail away from him. Didn't go straight through the court. I like that Sebi Corda is working on getting a little bit of movement on that serve. Hell of a win for Sebi today. Just the third man to escape from Alcaraz this year. He joined Prakash at the desk. What put you over the edge at the end? Um, I don't know. I felt I felt pretty confident, um, especially breaking on, on this side because I had the win with me, and and I knew if I just made the return, I was I was going to be ahead in the point. And when I came here at four three, I was I was like, all right, here we go. This is <laughs> this is what I like, and um, yeah, I took advantage of it, and somehow pulled it through. 
Big win for Sebi Corda. Take a look at the match stats. Paul, what stands out to you? Well, just the opportunities that both of these guys had. 29 break chances. I tell you what, Seb did a good job fighting off a lot of break chances. 59 unforced errors. Lots of winners. It was really gusty earlier in the day. Both guys struggled on their serves, and a lot of that was because of the win. But the big thing for me, Seb Corda coming back from down a break in the third set. Really nice resiliency. Andy Alcaraz said after the match, sometimes these losses are good. What does he take away from this? Well, I think it's good for him to just get back in the flow of being on tour. Obviously, winning Miami and kind of getting up to the, uh, the edge of the top ten is a big life change for Alcaraz. He's the first name off everyone's lips right now as far as, you know, big prospects. And so that, that he does need to adjust a little bit. And maybe taking a loss like this says, okay, I'm not just going to flow through. I still have to approach every single day the same. But, but credit to Sebastian Corda. And one of the stats that really stood out, winning 34 of 44 net points, forcing the issue. Like Paul Anacone said yesterday, he's going to have to take his chances, move forward. Sebastian Corda is very good at that. I like the serve and volley. You know, for as big as he is, he doesn't quite hit a serve big enough, right, but is starting to get a little bit of movement. You saw that last serve get a little bit of tail coming in, serving volleying a little bit, which makes the first serve better, right? When it's not predictable, he's gonna he's getting really smart about how to manage his service games and, and won 60, 66% of first serve points. In Miami, that number was around 55% some matches. So big improvement, especially considering uh, moving over to the clay. Yeah, great points, Andy. And Corda now in the live rankings up to a new career high, 36 in the world. How about the winner of the other Sunshine Double event, Indian Wells? That would be Taylor Fritz. In action against former U.S. Open champ Merrick Chilich. First meeting between these two on a clay court. Paul, you're one of Taylor's coaches. How would you evaluate his performance? Well, this was a good match. I thought both guys played good power tennis. It was way better tennis for Taylor today than yesterday. Nice job winning the first set. But look, Marin Cilic, former number three in the world, he's not going to go anywhere. Did a terrific job in the second set, controlling the tempo of the baseline rallies. Taylor is on defense a little more than he wanted to be. And right here on set point, Cilic hits an inside cross-court forehand just on that sideline, and that makes it a set-all. Fritz did a great job regrouping in the third. Both guys battled extremely well. Really good power tennis. And for Taylor, this is a huge moment right here. Two good backhand returns at 15-30 and at 30-40 that got him the break. thing that I was happiest with is after he got that break, did a good job taking care of his serve. Chilich a few too many unforced errors, but Taylor lost to him in the finals in St. Petersburg indoors this fall. So this is a really nice recovery from Taylor Fritz. Took advantage of that Chilich second serve, winning 60% of those points. And he joined Prakash at our desk. How much of the, the habit of winning, how, how much does that feel like it's a part of you right now? T today definitely felt like things were, were going my way for sure. I was playing the big points well. Um, yesterday, not, not so much. I don't know how many set points I, I blew. and <laughs> how uh, many had points. some chances there. Yesterday yeah. was a little different, but um, conditions were different today. And, you know, when it's not super windy, uh, I can trust the shots I'm hitting kind of you know, uh, have that confidence and, and go after shots I want to go after. And, yeah, today it was just working for me. And it is a lot of confidence kind of just from playing well. You feel you feel good in those moments. It's going to be Fritz and Corda in the round of 16. Can't wait for that. Here's an exciting matchup of next-gen stars. Felix Ojeali-Assim 
Lorenzo Musetti, the 20-year-old Italian shot maker, trying to equal the biggest win of his career, Paul. Oh, it's fun watching this kid play, especially on the clay courts. He's an artist out there. Great sliding, beautiful one-handed backhand. And the first set, it was one-way traffic. Really did some beautiful plays, including coming to the net with some field volleys. That one sealed the first set. Second set was a little bit different. Felix shifted things around, got a little bit more offensive, took the space that Musetti was giving him, came forward, pinned him deep in the court, was up an early break in the second set. Felix is such a good athlete, but Musetti, from so deep in the court, on the clay, is able to get himself either to neutral or offense, and that's exactly what he did to break back and then got into the tiebreak. couple early mistakes from Felix, but just some terrific shot-making from Musetti. Watson just hold the forehand there and gets a big lead in the tiebreak to get up 6-2 and then just seals it with a beautiful little drop shot. Felix gets there, and how about the little dipping pass to close the door? A heck of an effort from the Italian. Backhand is a thing of beauty. He is fun to watch. Lorenzo Musetti gets the win. He'll take on Diego Schwartzman next. But for Felix Auger-Aliassime, he has now lost five of his last six matches, Andy. What's your level of concern there? Well, I think he's plan A is, is great when the shots are landing, right? He goes very aggressive all the time, serves big, wants to force the issue. The forehand is a little bit hit or miss, and that's his tell shot, Steve. When you see the forehand, when he's hitting on all cylinders, when you can rely on it, then he has runs to the semifinals of slams, right? Like we saw earlier this year, getting a win in Rotterdam. When that shot is, when he's second guessing that shot a little bit, it makes it a lot tougher. It makes it an easy uh, strategic matchup. You go at the forehand, you pound it. Uh, I don't think it's going to get any easier for FAA here uh, coming into the clay court season. It's not his uh, uh, surface of choice. It's not the surface he's had the most success on, but for, if I'm Felix's coach, I'm listening. We got to figure out the insurance policy for our game, right? If we're not landing our aggressive shots, which is the way you like to play, which is phenomenal, we have to learn how to uh, kind of get through these matches with less than our best. Maybe tighten it up a little bit, put some more balls in the court, rely on your legs a little bit more. And I haven't seen that work perfectly uh, for FAA, FAA yet. Listen, I said this was matching the biggest win of his life. That other one came against Diego Schwartzman when he was number nine. That's who Musetti gets next. We saw him make the round of 16 at Roland Garros last year, take two sets off of Novak Djokovic. What about his game suits him so well on this red clay? Well, look, you can watch him move, watch him slide, see the shot selection that he creates, a beautiful one-hander, really comfortable on the clay, just has a full arsenal of ways to hurt you. And I think this is a different year for him now. The players aren't going to be as surprised. Went into a lull after that big French Open last year. So now he's got to regroup just a little bit. But when you watch him play matches like this, you can see how he constructs points so well on the clay. And I actually think it should be able to translate to the hard course. And it has. He had some success in Mexico on the hard course. So he can play on hard as well. But for me, it's about him maintaining an average level that's good enough to stay at the top, and that's what he's got to work on. Got some young, exciting Italian stars. We're going to see Yannick Sinner coming up later on TC Live. But how about Dominic Team? He's a two-time Roland Garros finalist. Had a slow start to this year. He's been out all year due to the wrist surgery last summer. Then he had COVID in March. Played a challenger, lost that, but took a wild card into Estoril, which begins April 25th. He is also scheduled to play his first tour-level event in Serbia next week. Andy, what can we expect from Dominic Team this clay court season? Well, the best case scenario would be us expecting health 
and time on court. And it's been really unfortunate with with, uh, with Dominic since that U.S. Open win. You feel like it's kind of been just stopping and starting all the time. Hopefully he can get two or three events where he can at least get some consistency. Even if he, you know, listen, if he wins, loses second round, that's secondary at this point. He wants to build that stamina, build those reps, and he just hasn't gotten the chance. Played the challenge and immediately got COVID and had to sit out a couple of weeks. So there hasn't been a consistent buildup. So I don't think we really know what we're going to see, but I don't think our expectations should be uh, ridiculous at this point. I hope he just gets healthy and hopefully starts finding a little bit for him, maybe a week or two before the French. But this far out with this little match play, I, I don't know that we should expect too much out of the gate from Dominic team. Yeah, I think Andy's 100% right. You know, just get rid of expectation right now. Let him get the match reps under his belt. Let him build up some match rhythm, feel comfortable between COVID and then uh, all the wrist injury. He just hasn't been able to play any tennis. So now the idea is to get on the court and stay on the court. Look, the guy's a great player. He's not going to forget how to be a great player, but he just needs some time to get there. So lose the expectation. Just get back to the basics. Do what you do well and try to stay healthy for a while. This guy was number three in the world. He was supposed to be the next king of clay. I mean, we expect him to win multiple Roland Garros titles. He's had some really bad luck lately. We wish all the best to Dominic team, hopefully next week in Serbia and then in Estoril. A lot more highlights from Monte Carlo on the way. We got Yannick Sinner highlights, Andre Rublev. But first, how about Kasper Ruud? Won four titles on the dirt last year. How was his 2022 clay debut? TC Live rolls on after this. Paul Steve back on TC Live. A reminder to make tennis.com your online information source during the road to Roland Garros right now. Casper, the friendly host. Matt Fitzgerald going behind the scenes with the Rude family in Oslo. Stefano Tsitsipas lost in doubles with his brother Petros Wednesday. The Greek God on our warm and fuzzy set. There's stories of you as a kid would lose a match and you would be so upset and you'd cry and you'd hide behind cars. I'd hide in the parking lot. Tell and, me about and that. And my parents would be looking for me. And I wouldn't want to show up. And it would get really late. And then I would just change my mind. What were you doing behind the car? Were you analyzing the match? Or were you just... Everything. Everything. Every single thing. Crying. Thinking about what is my future going to look like. Yeah. Just like, you know, little kid thoughts. I yeah. don't know. No hiding from our warm and fuzzy segments. Available on TennisChannel.com and the Tennis Channel app. Well, more Sitsy magic on the way. Looking to vault up the rankings. Why, that's not the only vaulting Stefanos is doing to reach the top of the polls. We'll explain when TC Live returns. Back on TC Live, our coverage from Monte Carlo on the Bally Regional Sports Networks in T2 with Leif Shiras and Jan Michael Gamble. Thursday, 7 a.m. Eastern. How about that matchup? Lorenzo Musetti and Diego Schwartzman, followed by Hubie Hercotch and Albert Ramos Vignolas. Well, back to Monte Carlo, Andy, and Kasparud is going to win this match. But props to Holger Rune, won a challenger in Italy Saturday. On the same day, won a Qualies match in Monte Carlo, beat Aslan Karatsev first round, and put up a fight against Rude on Wednesday. Yeah, and the whole game with Rude on clay, and we'll see in this highlight, is his ability to extend the court, make it a, bunch, a, a lot wider, Steve. You used to see with Rafa in his prime where he would extend to where the ball would bounce outside the sideline uh, just as often as kind of straight through the court. He just makes the court so yeah, wide. And Holger Rune, you can see uh, later on in this match as Rude wins the first set there, it, it, ha it has some wear and tear uh, on your legs a little bit. Obviously, moves great. Uh, 
<laughs> There's not much to be done. Look at Holger's going, do I have to keep running? Uh, this is, I just look at 18th day in a row of playing. Uh, looks like he did kind of a little bit against Djokovic last year at the Open uh, when he cramped up. But Casper Ruud here just making the court, making you play all sides. You have so much turf uh, to cover. Does it in a not obvious way, but Casper Ruud's the real deal on this surface. He is uh, one to look for at Roland Garros for sure. And he moves on to face Grigor Dimitrov. Rune up to a career-high 79 in the world. A couple more young guns in action. 20-year-old Yannick Sinner, 17-3 this year. Looking to get to 4-0 on tour against Finland's Emil Rusevorian. Yeah, and Rusevori has to go after the ball here because the longer the rallies go, Sinner's really uh, become uh, really good at these longer rallies. Earlier in his career, he used to make uh, a lot more enforced errors. I also, I also love the emotion. Uh, that he's showing now. There's something we didn't see in his first couple of years on tour. Maybe uh, feel a little bit more comfortable out here, get a little bit more vocal, get the crowd into it uh, a little bit more. And that has, that has, uh, that pays dividends. Early in the first round, it did. Maybe yelling and screaming, Rizbori hears the crowd a little bit, throws in the kind of a nasty looking double there. Those shadows don't look very fun either. But the one thing with center is he has knockout power on both sides. Can hit winners on the forehand or the backhand side. So if he's uh, running full speed ahead, it's kind of pick your poison a little bit. And uh, there was just a little too much poison for Russo Bordy today. And uh, good luck for center. Some other scores from Monte Carlo today. Cam Norrie falls to Albert Ramos Vignolas for the fourth time on red clay. ARV going to face Hubie Hercoch next. The Polish star picking up his 100th career win on tour. Congratulations. Pablo Carina Busta takes out Alexander Bublik and Diego Schwartzman into the round of 16. As we enter the social net and Team USA back in Asheville for a Billie Jean King Cup tie against Ukraine this weekend. Diana Yastrzemska leading UK, Ukraine. Jesse Pagula leading the Americans. Here is U.S. Captain Kathy Rinaldi explaining how this event is raising money to support Ukrainians suffering from Russia's invasion. The USTA has definitely done a great job of the outreach as well and the ticket sales. You know, every time someone buys a ticket, a portion of that goes to the Ukraine Relief Fund. Um, so we couldn't be more proud of that. And... Um, you know, like I said, we're a true family at the end of the day, and we all come together. Uh, we're opponents on the court, but we're allies and friends off the court, and we really do care for each other, and we pull together when times get tough. Well said there, Kathy Paul. With the, We are opponents on the court, but allies and friends off the court. Yeah, gr great to see the tennis family come together to help our friends, uh, the Ukrainian players that are part of our family, and, and to see the Billie Jean King Cup go ahead and do this and the USTA be uh, at the forefront to try to do it for this weekend. I think it, it's a great it's a great thing. There's a lot of things more important than these uh, tennis balls behind me, and it's good that we're paying attention. Got to speak to Diana at Indian Wells this year, told me the whole story of, of her and her sister leaving Ukraine and leaving her parents. Heartbreaking. Uh, truly heartbreaking. Yep. Uh, but the WTA has done a great job of, of bringing them in and, and taking care of them, really, since they were left their parents. Uh, meantime, we've got uh, a, a tough switch, but we've got Stefano Tsitsipas, who is trying a different sport here, Andy. Um, what do you think of pole vaulting? I Whoops. think that he should never do this again. There's only <laughs> one way that this could go. It's not going to go well, right? It's it, Like, well is just means, like, hey, we might laugh at it, but that's not near. I mean, pole vaulting about a foot off the ground is not really the one. Uh, Steph needs to stick to tennis and maybe try not to get hurt. There are other ways to pick up a hobby without uh, risking injury. I, I, I don't know about this, Mr. Tsitsipas. Have you ever tried pole vaulting, Paul? 
Uh, no. I would uh, I'd give that a big no. And I'm all on the Andy Roddick team of let's stick away from this and figure out different ways to have some fun. <laughs> it's fun video, nonetheless. And, and he did make it. On, I don't know. It was pretty he low. He hit the mat. But... He hit the mat. I mean, that's good, right? <laughs> Paul Bolting's tough. My... My favorite thing is the side view where it looks like he's actually doing it from the front, but the side view is like that far off the ground. Right. The side view is, was the best one. <laughs> I think the high schoolers would, uh, would take out Steph in the pole vault. Here's our schedule on Thursday. Players looking to make the quarterfinals in Monte Carlo, 5 a.m. Eastern. We get you started. Of course, 7 a.m. Eastern, have you covered on the Bally Regional Sports Networks and T2. Andy, Paul, and myself on TC Live and Encore coverage all night long. Back with more after this. Andico and Roddick Weissman back with our hot shot of the day. Andy, normally you win the match, you don't get the hot shot. This is the rare, you win and you get the hot shot. Pull the rip quarter for us, Andy. Look at that. He, look at that wind blowing that across the court. There's no way he was missing that wide if he went across court there. This is what I like, though. The open stance back in D. And then, listen, I know I'm not missing a wide. That wind is stiff. Hits it, and Steve, my favorite, a shot that's actually relevant in the match. Late in the third set, 30-all. Big shot from a big player. Super stuff from Sebi there. Let's look ahead. We got Taylor Fritz taking on Seb Korda. Guaranteed to have an American in the quarterfinals in Monte Carlo for the first time since 2008 when Sam Query did it. Stefano Sitsipas in action. Pablo Carina Busta taking on Sasha Zverev. And then Andre Rublev and Yannick Sinner. Some tasty matchups. Let's talk about that All-American matchup, Paul. What is going to be the difference in this one? I think it's going to be who plays the big points better. I don't think there's going to be a heck of a lot between these guys, both playing some really good tennis and playing well at big moments. You saw Seb do it today. You saw Taylor do it today. Taylor's done it lately in some big matches. There's, I'll be very shocked if this isn't up down to one or two points. And Taylor said it today after his match about playing Chilich in a match like today's, it was one or two points. I see the same thing tomorrow. Yeah, I think uh, two things really matter in this match. First serve percentage matters because both of these guys absolutely munch on second serve returns and can take the racket out of your hands if you're not putting a bunch of uh, first serves in there. And also, who's going to get that first hit and be able to switch directions? Taylor probably is able to create more pace uh, off the ground, especially when he gets two feet under him. Sebi probably moves a little bit better uh, on the clay. So as Paul said, it'll be interesting to see how that matchup shakes out. But uh, listen, it's, it's great that these guys have both uh, grinded through their first couple rounds. It's nice to see American on American action uh, a fair bit into a, a big tournament. And guess what? They're playing doubles together later that day. Busy day. Busy <laughs> day at the office for the boys. Busy day for Seb Corda and Taylor Fritz. Great stuff, as always. Andy and Paul, thanks, everyone, for tuning in to TC Live. Our coverage of the Monte Carlo Masters continues next right here on Tennis Channel.